Today is the first day, first Sabbath of 2019. And while we don't celebrate the Roman calendar, we realize there it is a milestone when we summarize the events of 2018 and we predict or anticipate what might happen in 2019. The last Thursday, uh, December 26, 2018, was that, uh, or the 27th, I guess it was, the Tomorrow's World Now live program was titled, What Will Happen in 2019 and Beyond? Uh, the program was hosted by Dr. Scott Winea with guest commentators Gerald Weston and uh, John Meekin. Mr. Weston gave this assessment at the beginning of the program. How would you assess the time in which we're living? Mr. Wesson stated, quote, We're living in a time of trouble. The earth is shifting beneath our feet, so to speak. We're moving into a geopolitical shift, a seismic shift, a moral and a social shift. Mr. Meekin commented on the future, drawing an analogy of a ship in the ocean, It's a turbulent, difficult, and stormy way ahead. So how will we as God's people face the challenges of 2019? If you'll turn to Luke 21:36, a scripture with which you're all familiar, but one which is so vital and fundamental in our Christian walk and our way of life and anticipating the days ahead. Luke 21, verse 36. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. And we know that all the things that are coming to pass, he had already predicted in the great tribulation and, of course, the day of the Lord, that we can escape those things. But notice also the last part of the verse, and to stand before the Son of Man so that we must have that close relationship with God and with Christ to stand before Christ at his coming. Mr. Mario Hernandez gave a sermon here a few weeks ago, or maybe a couple months ago now, called Prophecy Watch. And so I would like to recommend you listen to that, access it on our website. All of our sermons are on the website, lcg.org or COGL.org. And so if you missed a sermon, you can always go back to the website and hear that. Mr. Rod McNair gave a trumpets, Feast of Trumpets sermon titled, The Beast in Europe. The Trumpets and the Beast in Europe. So you may want to review that in terms of prophecy. But we have a responsibility as a church and individually to be alert to the signs of the times. Our number two mission, as outlined by Dr. Roderick Meredith in the sevenfold mission of the church, states, preach the end-time prophecies and the Ezekiel warning to the Israelitish peoples. So are you watching world trends and the signs of the times? Now, you have your church bulletin here. We have the News and Prophecy, and this uh, church bulletin has the two this week that are also printed, of course, 
in the world ahead, which goes to all our members around the world, all our congregations around the world, News and Prophecy, January 3rd, 2019. I won't read the, the article, but just the headline, Venezuela's Troubles Impact Neighbors. And the second one, Students Drive Teachers Out of Schools. In Britain, many teachers are leaving the profession due to increasingly unruly students, according to UK's Telegraph, December 17, 2018. A recent study reports, quote, almost two-thirds of teachers are currently or have previously considered quitting because of poor pupil behavior. So what's happening to our society? We've had a, a DVD we sent out, Culture in Crisis. We sent out, it was a semi-annual offer, which our telecasts documented, all the trends, social trends that are spiraling downward and coming into immorality. But take a look back at verse 34 in Luke 21. But take heed to yourselves. If we take heed to ourselves, we must be alert. We must be sober. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And the cares of this life are multitudinous as we face. It might be financial. It may be social. It may be environmental. Uh, whether with the storms or hurricanes or earthquakes, whatever it may be, the, the daily cares of this wife. And that day come upon you, come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. So we need to be alert. We need to be sober. So God expects us to have a sober attitude. Turn to First Thessalonians 5 and verse 6. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 6. 1 Thessalonians 5 has multiple admonitions that are just so encouraging, fundamental, significant, and inspiring. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep, because we're sons of light and sons of the day. Let us therefore not sleep as others do, of course speaking spiritually, but let us watch and be sober. So as Mr. Hernandez mentioned in his sermon, uh, prophecy watch, prophecy watch, watch could have two or three different meanings. You watch unto prayer, you're alert unto prayer, or you're watching the signs of the times and the trends that are occurring. But we need to be sober. We need to be alert. We need to be sober-minded. So as we approach another year closer to the second coming, we need to watch and pray. We need to avoid spiritual laziness. We must be spiritually alert and awake, and we must be sober-minded. The title of the sermon today is A Sobering 2019. So while we must be sober-minded, yet the activities and events of 2019, and we look back at 2018, have been sobering. There's some events that are shocking, uh, some events that are oppressive and uh, just wicked and evil and, and oppressive and horrible. So we need to make sure that we are alert to 2019. So in today's sermon, we'll briefly review some of the highlights and lowlights of 2018 
and we'll also examine God's instructions on facing challenges of the future with faith, wisdom, perseverance, and sobriety. So what is the meaning of the word sober? Are you sober-minded, or are you going along with society in a carnal way? From the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, sober number one is sparing in the use of food and drink, or a synonym would be abstemious. A sub-meaning of sober, not addicted to intoxicated drink. Another one, not drunk. The second meaning is marked by sedate or gravely or earnestly thoughtful character or demeanor. And then other meanings are unhurried, calm, marked by temperance, moderation, or seriousness. Another meaning from the dictionary, sober candlelight vigil. And synonyms, according to uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, are clear-headed, straight. So are you clear-headed and straight? Now, there are several, uh, it gives about 20 or 25 antonyms, and I will, I'll just read a couple of them. Uh, the antonym, the opposite of sober, is blasted, and that's slang. Uh, bombed, drunk. Hammered, slang, plastered, uh, wiped out, slang. So you don't want to be on the opposite of sober. You want to have the fullness of alertness, of clear-headedness. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, actually just across the page. Here, or oh, actually we've just read verse 6, or verse 7. I'd just like to read verse 5 and 6 again here in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5. 1 Thessalonians 5 and uh, verse 5. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And, of course, I know as a teenager when I was that young some decades ago, uh, you know, when you feel that in the dark you can do what you want because so supposedly no one is seeing you. Well, God is always seeing you. But we are sons of the light and not of the darkness. Therefore, verse 6, 1 Thessalonians 5, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So you think immediately of Matthew 25, the Ten virgins, they all went to sleep, and the, the cry went out, the bridegroom is coming. And there were the five foolish brides and the five wise brides that had oil in their lamp. So we need to be alert and sober and be men and women of the day and not of the night. Some of you have already been sobered by personal trials. Because sickness and broken bones and perhaps the tragedies and uh, family members' death, uh, Christ also came that we might have the abundant life. So we turn back to Ecclesiastes, the third chapter, Ecclesiastes 3, and I know that most of you are familiar with John 10.10. 10. Turn back to Ecclesiastes 3. We have our songs written about this section of the scripture. Uh, 
But Jesus said in John 10.10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So when we're talking about a sober and serious-minded attitude, we're not saying that you can't have fun, you can't have joy, but you have a total mindset and your character is sealed to seeking first the kingdom of God, and that's your goal. We'll talk about that a little more more later. So there is a time, you can read the whole section, but let's just read verse 4, a time to weep and a time to laugh. So when someone asks me, how was your week? I go, well, I had my ups and I've had my downs during the past week. A time to mourn and a time to dance. And, of course, verse 7, a time to fear, to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. So there are times when we have to face up to very serious challenges and trials. When I had my stroke almost two years ago and my wife had her heart attack a few months ago, I know you have uh, serious challenges to meet. And when those challenges come, you want to use the fifth law of success of resourcefulness. Mr. Armstrong called it the emergency law, when you want to try to think of what are the alternatives, what are the options, what resources uh, can I, we avail ourselves in facing this trial, facing this challenge. So God wants us to be sober-minded, but we also can have joy in life. We've already had sermons on recapturing the true values. But let's take a look, brief look at 2018 and what some individuals have summarized. There's so much that happened in 2018, it's very difficult to summarize all of the activities and trends in just a paragraph. But I thought Dr. Scott Winnale did a very good summary in his introduction to the program, What Will Happen?, in 2019 and beyond with the Tomorrow's World Now live program, December 26, 2018. Dr. Scott summarized 2018 this way. Quote, 2018 has been a year of powerful storms and natural disasters, civil unrest and violence, political and electoral surprises, immigration stresses, moral about-faces, and international aggression. It has also been a year of economic growth for a number of nations. Global oil prices have plummeted in the last few months, as have the values of national stock markets. There have been geopolitical thaws, including behind between the U.S. and North Korea and U.S. and China. As of very late, 2019 promises to be just as turbulent in terms of geopolitics, global economics, military advances, and moral declines. So when you look back at 2018, what were some of your highlights and what were some of your lowlights? What lessons may you have learned in the last year? We know looking at 2018 and on to 2019, we know that the United States has a divided Congress, and it's a divided House. It was a political cartoon that uh, about the wall. Instead of the wall along the border of the U.S. and uh, Mexico, it was a cartoon showing the White House and 
Congress and the wall between the White House and Congress. So we are facing this whole year with a divided nation, and right now the United States is experiencing a partial government such shutdown, which may go on for even some time. Other evaluations of 2018, I'll give you a couple of them. And this is from the Wall Street Journal, December 20th, the editorial page. 2018, it's been a year of tumult and chaos in world politics. In Japan, a national poll selected the kanji, K-N-J-I, kanji character sai, S-A-I, meaning disaster, as the best collective, the national, uh, reflecting the national mood. So, uh, they summarize their year in Japan as disaster, as best reflecting the national mood. Perhaps 2019 will bring better, better news. And then one other columnist from the Miami Herald said, is there anything good we can say about 2018? Only this, it got us out of 2017. But even that didn't work out as we hoped. Now, the economy in the United States has had its ups and downs. The stock market has been uh, very, very uh, uh, vulnerable, but way up and way down. And, of course, we've had the uh, lowest uh, unemployment rate in in years. And uh, So there are aspects of the economy that have been very good. But the McIlvaney Intelligent Advisor, December 2018, says the perfect financial storm is gathering on the horizon. China's markets are tanking and its growth slowing under a debt-to-GDP ratio of 300%. Debt-to-GDP ratio of 300%. You don't want it more than 100%. China is drowning in debt, as is much of the world, with some $250 trillion in global debt Much of it dollar-based, nations whose economies, markets, and currencies are declining cannot bear the debt burden of progressively rising U.S. interest rates. The higher U.S. rates increase, the lower their currencies fall, the heavier the cost burden to service that debt. So when the United States, the federal board, raises its uh, interest rate by just zero, 0.25% interest rate on a $21 trillion debt, that's $52 billion extra in interest each year. So what he's saying is that when the interest rate's up, your your currency and your particular nation, the value is going down, but then to pay off the debt, it's increasing. So we have those... uh, expectations and possibilities for 2018. As you know, I watch the uh, comic strips on the Charlotte Observer, and uh, it was uh, a couple days ago, the comic strip Non Sequitur. I don't like it all the time. Non Sequitur is a Latin term that means does not follow. So if someone's, we're having a, a discussion on a topic, then someone 
So it follows with it a topic that's totally different, that's non sequitur, doesn't follow our discussion. But that irrelevant to the, the um, comic strip. This comic strip, a businesswoman and a businessman are seated in a cafe. They're having juice drinks, and they're discussing prospects for the new year in this cartoon. Frame number one, uh, the woman asks uh, the businessman, what makes you so sure this will be a terrible year, Bob? He answers, economic history. Frame number two, he says, it's not hard to spot past mistakes being repeated. Just look outside. What do you see? And they look out the cafe window, and here is a hooded person carrying the sign, the end is nigh. And so frame number four, she says, just some doomsday prophet, so? He says, that's my stockbroker. The end is near. So, again, you have those commentaries that uh, prospect. We certainly thank God that the economy has been well, been doing well, so that it can support God's work. And we need to pray, again, that God will send more laborers, more co-workers, more donors, uh, members and ministers into the the uh, harvest. Uh, the following comic strip, the, the following day, actually connected the word apocalypse with the economy and the approaching recession. So with all these dire predictions for another recession, are you, brethren, prepared for them? We need to be wise stewards of our finances. Dr. Meredith admonished us several times to get out of debt, and sometimes that's very difficult, and maybe you need a financial advisor to help you. We might turn to Proverbs 13 and verse 11. Proverbs 13 and verse 11. Try to set aside even small sums for emergencies. Proverbs 13 and verse 11. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. The NIV has this translation. Dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. The NRSV. Wealth hastily gotten will dwindle, but those who gather little by little will increase it. In other words, if you're faithful and consistent in your savings, you're saving, you know, whatever it is, uh, 5% of your your take-home pay or 2% of your take-home pay for savings and setting that aside, it will grow over a period of time. We look back on 2018, uh, just mentioned quickly about a natural disaster. Uh, the number one world natural disaster was the campfire, in, called the campfire, in California. There were 18,793 uh, 18, buildings, one whole uh, city just totally wiped out out of California, 83 deaths in California. That was the deadliest disaster in 
2013. Of course, there were the tsunamis, and uh, Indonesia had three major natural disasters. I'll just give you one more <clears throat> from uh, the Charlotte Observer, uh, December 30th, 2018. Yemen's Houthi rebels hand over control of port is the title. Yemen's Shiite rebels on Saturday handed over control of the main port in the Red Sea of Hodaida to the country's Navy and Coast Guard Academy, uh, Coast Guard under UN supervision, security officials said. In a significant stop in the implementation of a deal reached during peace talks in Sweden early this month, and as you know, it's just been totally chaos in Yemen. Continuing the article, about 70% of Yemen's imports come through the Hodaida port. And the Sweden deal is designed in part to facilitate the arrival of relief supplies to push Yemen back from the brink of famine. The fighting has killed tens of thousands of people and has driven millions to hunger. The United Nations calls it the world's worst humanitarian disaster. So we need to realize, and I hope you sigh and cry for the sufferings that people are experiencing in other parts of the world. Southern Sudan has always been a problem along that line. There was someone on Facebook, I don't usually follow Facebook, but I just happened to find this poem that you, someone, one of you shared here this last week called Thank God for Dirty Dishes. Thank God for Dirty Dishes. They have a tale to tell. While others may go hungry, we're eating very well. With home, health, and happiness, I shouldn't want to fuss. By the stack of evidence, God's been very good to us. The author is uh, Mary Stuber. So 2017 has been a year of powerful storms, natural disasters, civil unrest and violence, political and electoral surprises, immigration stresses, moral about faces, and international aggression. But in 2018, God's work was blessed. And thanks for your support and your prayers. We had an inspiring Feast of Tabernacles with 52 sites in 35 countries around the world. We just recently had a very inspiring Charlotte family weekend with uh, Mr. Weston's streaming sermon uh, reaching over 4,500 people in our church around the world. Turn to Revelation, the third chapter, Revelation 3. We thank God for the open doors he's given us, and uh, he tells us in Revelation 3 and verse 8, I know your works, Jesus says. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. That was the uh, title, actually, of Mr. Weston's sermon for the Charlotte Family Weekend. So we thank God that he's giving us the privilege, the opportunity, and the responsibility uh, to preach the gospel to the world. We had uh, several new stations. I mentioned that in the uh, co-worker letter. So we'll thank God for all those new stations and 
for the work uh, that is going on in uh, has gone on in 2018 and will go on in 2019. And uh, again, as Mr. Uh, McNair mentioned the announcements, uh, Mr. Weston mentions this about the report, uh, very good news about the uh, work of God in the Spanish. Mr. Mario Baez reports that he had more than 8.5 million views on our Spanish YouTube channel and we added 71,000 subscribers in 2018. We now have more than 106,000 subscribers. The most watched programs in 2018 were Mr. Weston's Ezekiel's message unlocked, exceeding 1.2 million views, and what's ahead for 2018 and beyond with 1.1 million views. We now have nearly 16 million lifetime views on the Spanish YouTube site. So we can be very thankful for God's blessing us in 2018. But what's ahead for 2019? There are some very interesting and surprising false predictions for 2019. Of course, one Church of God minister who calls himself an apostle and prophet is predicting that Christ will return on Pentecost 2019. If you saw Mr. Weston's program on 2019 in Bible prophecy, he said, what will not happen? Number one, what will not happen in 2019? Christ will not return in 2019. Of course, this so-called prophet said, well, if it doesn't happen in 2019, uh, the next possible time will be Pentecost 2020. But if you've seen all of our charts, you've seen my chart in the booklet Armageddon and beyond, you know there are other major prophecies that must be fulfilled before Christ can return. And, of course, uh, Mr. Wesson explained in that telecast about the abomination of desolation as one of the key signs and Dr. Meredith's booklet's 14 signs announcing Christ's return. So you need to be aware of those signs. One other false prophet is uh, saying that on December 21st, 2019, survivors will experience the first day of a pole shift, where the entire surface of the planet will shift out of position and move over the more fluid layers beneath the crust. Over the next few days... This will cause earthquakes and tidal waves and volcanic activity, which will almost completely destroy what is left of our civilization. Well, we're not saying there won't be earthquakes and, um, and uh, tsunamis. Obviously, it will be. But he's saying this is going to be judgment day. And um, I think we will be experiencing another pole shift for the work week following December 21st, 2019, getting worse each day until the natural disasters eliminate, culminate on December 28th, Judgment Day. So uh, you can be looking forward to December 28th as a Judgment Day and a failed prophecy as well. But there is something else that you can depend on and coming up recently, and that's coming up January 20th. That's a prediction that is sure. And it's not for a biblical prediction, it's an astronomical surety. There will be a lunar eclipse Sunday, January 20th, that night, 
and it is called a super blood wolf moon eclipse. And that here in Charlotte, it will start at uh, 10.34 Sunday night, January uh, 20th. The maximum eclipse will be 12.12 12 a.m., uh, technically January 21st, and it ends at about 1.50 a.m. And if it's good weather conditions, uh, everyone in Charlotte should be able to see the super blood wolf moon eclipse. This is how it's described uh, by one of the reporters. The new year is already proving to be full of excitement as we prepare for several astronomical phenomena, including what super blood wolf moon eclipse. The total lunar eclipse, which will be visible from the United States for the first time in three years, will happen as the Earth is positioned directly between the sun and the moon. The Earth will cast its shadow on the moon and give it a blood-orange color. So you can be looking forward to that, and also astronomically in 2019, there will be a total solar eclipse, just as we had a total total solar eclipse uh, last August in the United States. Uh, this will be a total solar eclipse in Chile and Argentina on July 2nd, uh, 2019. What other predictions for 2019? The Economist magazine cover had a whole magazine with the cover of the world in 2019. What are their expectations from the editor, Daniel Franklin, of The Economist magazine. Quote, going into 2019, <clears throat> the world looks wobbly. From Brazil to Italy, most populists are in power. The global economy is more fragile than it was a year ago. The markets are jittery. A trade war between America and China is underway. Technology and giant tech companies Arouse growing angst, and the rules-based international order is under threat. That makes this a tricky time for predictions, but also an intriguing one. Well, as we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore, let us not sleep, but do as do others, but let us watch and be sober. So, as you watched Mr. Weston's program, in 2019, in Bible prophecy, he gave three events that will not occur in 2019. Number one, Jesus Christ will not return in 2019. Number two, the rapture will not occur in 2019 or ever in the future. And world peace will not occur in 2019. But we look forward again to God's work expanding in 2019 with those seven new uh, television stations that we went on uh, recently, the last couple months. And again, to remind you all, as I wrote in the co-worker letter in December, we are also producing television programs in Dutch, German, French, Russian, Spanish, Portuguese, and Ukrainian for the Internet. So they're not available on cable, all of those languages, but they are available on the Internet and for various satellite stations in Roku. Uh, Mr. Weston already in 2019, today 
is giving a Tomorrow's World program in Memphis, and tomorrow he'll be giving one in Little Rock. So God's work is already going going forward in uh, 2019. So how can we be sober-minded in 2019? I want to give you five ways to live a sober spiritual life in the remainder of the sermon. Number one, strengthen your commitment to the kingdom. Strengthen your commitment to the kingdom. Turn to 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. We all know Matthew 6.33, as I told my congregations in the past that I pastored, if you need to know one scripture, you need to know Matthew 6.33. Well, of course, you need to know a lot of scriptures. But seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So it's not only the kingdom, but it's God's righteousness. That's a whole way of life that we're seeking. That's what you're dedicated to. Those who have been baptized count on the cost uh, to make that their goal in the whole life's mission. First Thessalonians 5, uh, starting with verse 1. But concerning the times and their seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not of the darkness, not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. As we read earlier, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Turn back to Matthew, the 7th chapter. Matthew, the 7th chapter. So we have to be committed to the kingdom. You already made that commitment, but strengthen that commitment. Be more resolved in your commitment to the kingdom. Matthew 7 and verse 13. Matthew 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Uh, Mr. Weston described what happened to many thousands of our brethren in the former association. Just when someone said, well, you can break the Sabbath, you can eat on the Day of Atonement, uh, individuals just just gullibly went along with that because they had not internalized the Bible and God's words and commandments as their direction in life. And we have to make sure that that we are solidly committed and solidly internalizing God's word. The new covenant is to write God's laws on our hearts and on our minds. That's a part of who we are, what we are, because we're living that way. And it's internalized. So you have to enter at the straight gate. As wide is the way, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many 
who go into it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. But those who find it, God has given us the promises that we can make it, because he says so many promises, Philippians 4.13, Christ is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and Philippians 1.6, that he that has begun a good work and it will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I think of uh, Philippians 2.12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. So if you're weak-willed, I gave a whole sermon on your will be done. If you're weak-willed, claim the God's promise that he will work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. That's a wonderful promise God gives us. Turn to Luke, the 14th chapter, Luke 14, and you senior members already know that that's the counting of the cost chapter that we discuss with all our potential people who are going to be baptized. We counsel them before they're baptized. You have to count the cost. This is a commitment that you're making at baptism. Luke uh, 14, and uh, starting with verse uh, 28, For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has to finish strength to, enough to finish it? So you don't just build something and uh, without counting the cost, fig- making the estimates, making sure you have the resources uh, that you're going to finish it. And your whole life, You're giving your whole life to Christ, and that commitment, actually at baptism, we call it the covenant. You're making a covenant with God, and we don't renew that covenant. It is a covenant that is solid and it's established. You renew your commitment. You don't renew the covenant, but you can renew your commitment, and that's what we're talking about here. Strengthen your commitment uh, to the kingdom. So... Renew our commitment at Passover as well, because we review the previous year and we realize we meditate on the very sacrifice of Christ. I just happened the other night to see um, the end of the movie Ben-Hur. I hadn't seen it in a long, long time, but uh, very moving near the end when Christ is crucified. And thankfully, they didn't ever show him from the front. They always showed him from the back, but still the mistake of long hair. Uh, but, of course, Judah Ben-Hur wins the chariot race, and uh, his mother and sister are lepers and found there in the cave, and he goes to see them, and after Christ's death, uh, they are healed of their leprosy. But it's just, again, very moving to really see the crowds associating with the uh, crucifixion when it took place and the reality that that was. And, of course, we think more deeply about Galatians 2.20, that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we look forward to the Passover, but we also need to, even at this time and every time, strengthen our commitment for the kingdom. Number one. 
Number two, strengthen your commitment to Christ and God the Father. We have the, the first commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's uh, Mark 12, uh, verse 20 version. Mind, soul, and uh, heart, and strength. Uh, as we already read, 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Let us who are of the day be sober. And so we have to make that commitment to love and to grow in humility, grow in our relationship and our love towards God the Father and Christ. Uh, it was read in the uh, sermonette by Mr. Dawson, James 4, the excellent sermonette, James 4 and verse 4, but we'll read it again. As uh, Mr. Armstrong used to say, repetition is one of the strongest forms of emphasis. James 4, actually we'll read with uh, James 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's a promise, and I pray that. I say, Father, I'm drawing near to you, and I claim the promise that you'll draw near to me. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and warm and weep, let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. So we need to have that humility. Let's turn to Romans, the 12th chapter, in our commitment to God the Father and Christ. Romans, the 12th chapter. Romans 12 and verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. For the Apostle Paul's writing, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So thinking soberly is also connected in this context with humility, that we need to make sure we do not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. And we are a church of faith. That was the seventh of the sevenfold mission, to build an atmosphere of strong faith. Turn to Colossians 2 and verse 6. Colossians 2. That's one of my favorite verses of many dozens of famous verses. Colossians Second chapter and verse 6. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Yes, strengthen your commitment to Christ, your walk with Him. It's a daily relationship. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Verse 7, Colossians 2. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. You abound in it with thanksgiving. I won't turn there, but you know Micah 6, 8, a memorization verse. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with your God. So it's a continuous relationship that you have with God. Turn to Jeremiah, the 13th chapter. Jeremiah 13, one more scripture on strengthening your commitment to God the Father and Christ. Uh, Jeremiah, the uh, 13th chapter. Jeremiah 13. How close are you to God the Father and to Christ? Here is a, a little graphic example of closeness. Jeremiah 13, starting with verse 11. Jeremiah 13, verse 11. For as the sash clings to the waist of a man, so I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Eternal, that they may become my people for renown, for praise, and for glory, but they would not hear. As a sash clings to the waist of a man. You know, you tighten your belt into a sash. How the King James Version says, For as the girdle cleaves to the loins of a man, so have I caused to cleave unto me the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah. And you think, well, um, is that really a technically a girdle? <laughs> That's really cleaving to the body. It's a pretty close relationship. So number two, strengthen your commitment to Christ and the Father as you live soberly and face a sobering 2019. Number three, face the reality of world conditions. You understand them in the light of Bible prophecy. You're watching and praying always that you might be worthy, counted worthy to escape those things that are coming to pass. And you're watching world trends and the signs of the times. We have the News of prophecy I mentioned already in the world ahead and in our church bulletin. Turn to Proverbs 22. We've read this, I think, in uh, recent sermons. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. Proverbs 22 and verse 3. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. Well, how is that man going to foresee evil? Well, he realizes what's going on in the world. He knows the trends. He knows the uh, possibilities and probabilities are going to happen. But the simple pass on and are punished. The NIV says the prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Some of you know background of evangelist Debar Pardian. He was uh, born around, uh, I think, 1896. He died here in Charlotte at the age of 94 in 2010. His parents were realized the danger facing the Armenians in Turkey. He was in Turkey at that time. His parents are Armenian at the beginning of the 1900s. And to save their son's life, they sent him away to Switzerland as a young boy because the Turks were pressing and were starting to prosecute and persecute uh, the Armenians. Uh, History records 
what has become known as the Armenian Genocide or the Armenian Holocaust. History.com mentions the Armenian Genocide was the ruthless slaughter of millions of Armenians by the Turks of the Ottoman Empire. In 1915, during World War I, leaders of the Turkish government set in motion a plan to expel and massacre Armenians. By the early 1920s, when the massacres and deportations finally ended, between 600,000 and 1.5 million Armenians were dead and many more forcibly removed from this country. Today, most historians call this event a genocide, a premeditated and systematic campaign to exterminate an entire people. Just remember what we read in the book of Revelation, that they're going third of the population is going to be killed, and then another time a fourth of the population is going to be killed. There will be more genocides in the future. But going back to the history report, today most historians call this event a genocide premeditated in a systematic campaign to exterminate an entire people. However, the Turkish government still does not acknowledge the enormity or scope of these events. So as we just read in Proverbs here, 22 verse 3 is also repeated in Proverbs 27 and verse 12. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Well, Mr. Partian's parents foresaw evil, and they put his son on a ship and finally eventually went to Switzerland and grew up in Switzerland. And also I finally got a job at the, uh, I believe it was the American Embassy. And so uh, the rest of the story is a fascinating story, and that uh, how he came to Pasadena and, and Ambassador College was advertising for a French teacher and that's how the connection finally occurred. We thank uh, Mr. Partian for all his service over the age. But his parents saw the evil to come and took their, made sure their son was not going to be part of that genocide that took place. God's people have been persecuted and will be persecuted in the future. And some nations insist on military service without exception that affects our brethren. Some countries require school on the Sabbath for children with no exception. That affects some of our brethren. So we pray for our brethren who are facing those challenges. Turn to Ezekiel 9, Ezekiel the ninth chapter. So as we see our Western nations increase their attack on God and the Bible, We groan as we see the biblical values rejected, overturned, and replaced with satanic values. Ezekiel 9, you're familiar with, it tells us in Proverbs 8.13, I won't turn there, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. If you're going to be sober-minded, you need to have a godly fear. And Proverbs 8.13 says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. You don't compromise with it. You don't give in to it. The rest of the verse goes on to say, Pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth do I hate. That's the fear of the Lord in Proverbs 8.13. 
those who are going to be protected from the great tribulation and the times ahead know Ezekiel 9 and verse 4. And the Eternal said to him, the one who was, had the inkhorn on his side, Go throughout the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. Is there anything that you sigh and cry about in societal trends? We've had all those, our telecasts on it, the culture and crisis, the transgender movement, the homosexual movement, same-sex marriage movements, all of those things that are, are coming past that are headed towards Sodom and Gomorrah-like in their, their behavior, their evil behavior. So we need to make sure that we are living God's way of life. Luke 21 16, Luke 21 and verse 16. So we have to be sober-minded and face the reality of world conditions, number three. Luke 21, 16, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Luke 21:18 but not a hair of your head shall be lost by your patience possess your souls one of the um, synonyms for sober minded was self control in your patience possess your souls i shared with you some time ago one of the lessons that i learned over 50 years having what was called a type a personality uh, that can be uh, leading to heart disease because you're always under stress and so forth. So how do you counter that? Well, I put it in my own words, one of my life's lessons, be cool at all times instead of always being anxious. And I, I think I've shared this with some of you. I, we were in Tokyo, Japan uh, some years ago and had a tour of the Bunsai Gardens. And my wife and I, uh, viewed a tea ceremony, and the lady had a bowl of tea leaves, and she had the bowl of water, and she took the wooden spoon, and she moved that wooden spoon so slowly and took up the tea leaves and moved the tea leaves over into the hot water. I thought, I've never seen anyone move so slowly in his life. And it gave me a different concept of movement and time. And so when I got back to Pasadena, I started buttering my bread very slowly. Just a different concept of life. In your patience, possess you your souls. You need to have the faith and patience when all these things start coming to pass. So number three, face the reality of world conditions. Number four. Live God's lifestyle and behavior. We've actually been commenting in part on that. Matthew 4, 4 and Luke 4. Luke 4, 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Is that part of your character, your sealed character, your eternal character? Is that the way you think? Is that the way you act? Of course, many are making New Year's resolutions now, 2019. The... Uh, B.C. comic strip uh, today 
BC, they're the caveman, you know, and it has a, a Wiley's Dictionary. New Year's resolution. What does that mean? The next frame. A promise whose intentions outlast its actions by about 364 days. You have to, you have to really think about that one. A promise whose intention outlasts its action by about 364 days. In other words, uh, no one keeps his New Year resolution. Uh, Saturday Evening uh, Post Magazine, uh, August 2nd, 1924, uh, Norman Rockwell, uh, when they had uh, a picture of uh, keeping New Year's resolutions. How, uh, this was on how to lose weight. How to diet by music. And it's Norman Rockwell. I don't know if some of you are familiar with. He's one of the greatest American artists there was and uh, famous for the Saturday Evening Post uh, covers and magazines. It showed a portly man, and uh, he's playing, going to put a record on the, the record player. How to lose weight by music. So that's uh, not going to make too much progress in that way. I've shared this one with you before, but I'll share it with you again. Calvin and Hobbes. Uh, Calvin, of course, is the precocious young boy, uh, very mischievous and imaginative, and Hobbes is the his friend, the tiger, who gives him wise advice. They're walking in the snow, and, t- and Hobbes, the tiger, says to Calvin, Are you making any resolutions for the new year? And then, next frame, you know, Calvin looks very intense, and he says, resolutions? Me? Just what are you trying to Im- imply? That I need to change? Well, buddy, as far as I'm concerned, I'm perfect the way I am. You know, he didn't make to, need to make any changes in his life. And isn't that what seems to be a part of human nature? Well, we need to examine ourselves as we come to the Passover and uh, be evaluating ourselves always, daily, and we need to avoid the way of fools. And many people are living the way of fools. Turn to Proverbs, the third chapter, Proverbs 3. So, Number four, live God's lifestyle and behavior. But there are lifestyles and behaviors that young people, middle-aged people, baby boomers, and others are living. Proverbs 3 and verse 35. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Proverbs 8 and verse 5, of course, The book of Proverbs is full of advice to show the contrast between a foolish way of life and a wise way of life. Proverbs 8 and verse 5. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. So again... Fools don't have an understanding heart. So we need to consider ourselves when we are influenced, as Mr. West was showing, how the downward trend of societal behavior, parallel the church tends to par- parallel that downward behavior when people are 
influenced by society. But he had that one graph in that December sermon to show that, no, we shouldn't parallel the downward crisis and uh, downward trend of societal behavior. We need to go up in the other direction in recapturing the true values of godly behaviors. So do you let yourself down? Do you let your guard down from time to time? Do you go along with foolish behavior of your friends and of your peers? I had a, a good friend back in Meriden, Connecticut, and he, uh, we were driving along. We would uh, be competitive in sports and golf and ping pong, bowling, and all kinds of things. And he had, he uh, was one year ahead of me. He got his uh, economics degree from Cornell University. And I was saying something foolish. We were in the car one time with him, and he was driving. And I said something foolish one time. He totally ignored me. And I really took note of that. And so I hope that you don't, to be friends with someone, that you just don't go ahead, Some they give you a, a carnal joke or so, and you're laughing, and you laugh because you want to make sure that you're going along with the crowd. No. You decide at that moment, I'm not going to laugh at that joke. That's not godly. That's not a true value joke. So we have to make sure that we don't go along with the crowd. First Peter 5 and verse 8. First Peter 5 and verse 8. Again, another one of Scripture you're, you're familiar with. First Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom we may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So notice that being vigilant is connected with the idea of being sober. And you don't want to make those kind of mistakes. Um, many of our teenagers, let's say our teenagers, American teenagers, are getting addicted to vaping. New York Times, December 19th, 2018. Teenagers can't stop vaping nicotine. Experts can't help much. Finding that once you get addicted to it, there are no solutions to helping you get off your addiction. And the article goes on to say overall, 3.6 million middle and high school students are now vaping regularly, according to a government study released last month. So you can't get started on that downward, downward falling down the hill. You, you cannot do that. You have to resist that temptation, just as we just read. First Peter 5, 8, be sober and vigilant. Don't go along with the crowd. And of course, Proverbs, the first chapter, has many admonitions along that way. Don't be a fool. There's an opioid addiction epidemic, you already know, aware of that, that 59,000 lives were claimed because of the opioid addiction in 2016. 
So we have to be vigilant. We have to be sober. We need to resist the temptations of the world. Number four, live God's lifestyle and behavior. Strive to recapture true values of humor, entertainment, business, family relations, science, art, literature. Strive to live by every word of God. Number four, live God's lifestyle and behavior. Number five, stay alert, awake, watch and be sober. Stay alert and awake, watch and be sober. Number five, and not sleep spiritually. We already read 1 Thessalonians 5. I won't turn there again. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Now to Titus, the second chapter, have more admonitions on being sober. Titus, second chapter, starting with verse 1. Titus 2 and verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine that the older men may be sober, that the older men may be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patient. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. Verse 4, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. To be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. And you young men, you may want to highlight that in your Bible. To remind you, that's your way of life. That's your mindset. That's your daily way of life. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, not having evil to say of you. So we again need to be sober. Verse 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our God, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. So, brethren, we need to be zealous for God's work and for God's way of life. So, number five, again, be uh, be diligent, stay awake, stay alert and awake, watch and be sober. We are facing a sobering year ahead. And as Mr. Weston stated on the Tomorrow's World Now program live, we are living in a time of trouble. The earth is shifting behind our, beneath our feet, so to speak. We are moving into a geopolitical shift, a seismic shift, a moral and social shift. 
So how, brethren, will you be affected by the trends in 2019, the challenge to the truth and the challenge to biblical values? Will you go along with the crowd? Or you will you be sober-minded and watch under prayer? Today's sermon, we examined our scriptural responsibilities before God to be sober-minded. We need to exercise, exercise purpose, alertness, commitment, faith, self-control, sobriety, and boldness in the faith. Remember Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed. We sang the hymn, Be Not Afraid. Even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, see law. So God has promised that in spite of tsunamis, earthquakes, volcanoes, we can still have faith. And he will protect us. So watch and pray always. Be alert to world trends. Exercise faith as we engage in the challenge ahead. As we read previously in Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, though the grace given to me, through the grace given me, and everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So may God give us all a strong measure of faith to live by every word of God, to stand in the gap, not compromising with the truth, to apply the five ways to live a more sober spiritual life. Number one, strengthen your commitment to the kingdom. Number two, strengthen your commitment to Christ and God the Father. Number three, Face the reality of world conditions. You sigh and cry for the abominations that are committed. Four, live God's lifestyle and behavior and avoid the foolish way of life. Five, stay alert and awake. Watch and be sober. So God's given us awesome promises. Even when we are challenged and our faith is challenged, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5. He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28 and verse 20. Turn to 1 Peter, the first chapter, in closing. 1 Peter, the first chapter. So, brethren, let's determine to live God's way of life with faith in the challenging year ahead. Live each day by faith in sober-mindedness. 1 Peter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. So, brethren, seek God's kingdom with commitment, dedication, sobriety, and faith as we fulfill God's work, fulfill God's will in the coming sobering 2019.